This morning we return to 1 Peter and we come to chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll read the first six verses. I'd ask you to follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external. Braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. With the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. Which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Great God of Scripture, we come now asking your blessing. This text and others like it are ignored by some, misunderstood and misapplied by others, and hated by others still. We know that even here today, some of us may be tempted to ignore, some tempted to misunderstand and misapply, some tempted to hate this text. So God, we need your help. We, we ask for clarity. Help us to understand your command. Help us to understand the motivations which you supply for us in this command. God, we need courage. Help us to obey your command without fear of judgment of men. Help us to love your word. Cause this preacher to decrease and help us this morning to hear the voice of Christ. Pray that you would speak through our intellect, to our affections, even now. It's for your glory and for our good that we ask these things. Um, I've joked with several of you this week that this sermon is only for the women. All the men can be dismissed. Um, so, maybe we could even say... Further, this, this sermon is only for the married women because it addresses married women and all the other women who are not married can take a breather. I, I thought about in, in three weeks we have a wedding and I thought about just saying this is just for the 
couple to be married. So that just, you know, isolating just the two of you and saying, this is for you. Um, these are things that we've talked about. And if you, if I married you, then we went through premarital counseling and we talked about these things. But when we speak about, well, this is only for women. This is only for married women. This is only for the newlyweds. This is, this, those things are only a joke. And we do need to understand that this text, while it primarily addresses married women. And, and by the way, men, your day's coming. Right? I mean, look at, read ahead. Your day's coming. It's just not today. But, but while this text primarily addresses married women, there is important truth here for each and every one of us. You have not wasted your time by coming here today. Of course, for married women, you are directly addressed here in these verses. For young women, for girls who one day hope to be married, this text addresses that stage that you want to get to, that place where you want to be. For married men, and for young men and boys who want to one day be married, this text is important for you. It is. Uh, men, I've written in my notes, men, listen. This is important. This is not an important text for you so that you will know how to manipulate and oppress your wife. This is not for that. That would be a violation of what the scripture instructs you to do concerning your wife. And we'll get to that. But it is important, men, that we understand the scope and the scale of God's instruction to a wife. That way, unmarried men, you will know what to look for and how to recognize a godly woman who will be biblically submissive in marriage. Young ladies, so that you will know what to look for in a man that you will ask yourself, is this a man that I can submit to? And if he's not, don't marry him. Married men, you need to understand how your wife may be biblically submissive even when you feel like you're not getting your way. This, this is very important text. And, and it's not just for married women. It's for all of us. And we see that there's something here for us. So let us consider what God's authoritative word says. And let us seek God's best for us as we Obey him. I, I put these things, I, I write these things out to be in, to be intentional. Let us see what God's authoritative word says for us. And here's why. I want you to like me. I mean, I really do. I, nobody wants to be hated. But what we're going to read today is hate. And I want you to understand that it's not coming from me. If it was coming from me, we'd just skip it. This is God's word. This is God's authoritative word. So we must understand that our loving God has commanded it not to be mean, 
not to, to push us down, but to give us an abundant life. Before we dig into the text, we need to say something about our culture and its hatred for the doctrines that are addressed here in these verses. Some, we could say many, even many who claim to be Christians seek to eradicate the biblical teaching on submission in marriage by explaining away these commands altogether. They say things like, well, the writings of Paul, when he speaks of a wife's submission to her husband, they're simply the ramblings of a chauvinist who hated women. Now, maybe you've heard that out in the world somewhere. I heard it in this church building after I preached a sermon on submission years ago. Well, you know, Paul was just a chauvinist. And I will submit to no man. If it's the command of the preacher, that's fine. If it's the command of God, those should be fearful words. And if that is buried in our heart somewhere, it should be fearful. Some say that these words Paul addressed and then Peter in our text today were written in a day when the oppression of women was a societal norm. It was a different day. They say that Paul wrote and then Peter wrote in our text today these things that are antiquated, they are outdated, and they need to be expunged from our thinking. This is old stuff and we do not need this anymore. But as we read the text, and we'll come back to this, consider that we find this 2,000 year old instruction includes an example and a reference that goes back 2,000 years before it was written, 4,000 years ago. So we know that God's truth and God's standard for the structure of our homes as Christians did not change in the 2,000 years from Abraham to Peter. And we know that the Bible is the word of God and enduring and God's standard hasn't changed in the 2,000 years from Peter to today. God's commands are ever true. His commands are real and binding. And his commands are loving and kind. And they are as much today as they have ever been. So as we begin to consider this important text, I'd like for us to begin with, I'm doing something dangerous, very dangerous. Oh, going off my notes. I'd like for us to begin by asking why? Why? And, and, and this, this, these first verses from, from chapter 3 are in a section that we have been in for, for a little while. And, and this section began 
In chapter 2 with verses 11 and 12, and I just want us to read this because this is going to answer for us why. Why? Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Now what follows is those things that wage war against the soul and submission in marriage is one of those things that wage war against the soul. This is about your soul health. This is about this is about the health of your very relationship with God. Keep your keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. This is for the testimony of the grace of God. This is for the health of your soul and for the testimony of Jesus Christ to the world. So we answer why. This is why. We have in these verses some markers that I want us to point out. I'm trying to build what, what we should be thinking as we, as we look at this. We have in this text some characteristics of Christian women. This is not characteristics of super Christian women. Characteristics of those especially holy. This is characteristics that should mark every godly woman. And it helps us as we see these characteristics, as we see these marks, it helps us as we parse out the command and we think how to live in obedience, even in this modern day. First, consider verse five, speaking of holy women of the past. It says they hoped in God. They hoped in in God. Do you see that? The first mark of a godly woman, or to use the language of the text, a holy woman is a holy woman hopes in God. Her hope is not in her husband. Husbands, you don't want your wife's hope to be in you. We want to see confidence. And wives, you should have a level of confidence in your husband, but your hope is not in your husband. Though you may admire him, though you may respect him, and, and these verses speak of this, your hope does not lie with your husband. If it did, the command would be submit if he's worthy, submit if he's capable, submit if he's competent. And what we're going to see is the command is submit worthy or unworthy. Capable or incapable, competent or incompetent. But your hope doesn't lie with him. Your hope is in God. Your, your husband may often be the instrument of God for your provision and for your protection, but your true hope is in God himself. When this godly woman finds herself without a husband, either in a situation where he could not be with her or perhaps 
in a situation where her husband has died and he is no longer there to provide and to protect, the godly woman does not despair because her hope has been in God and is still in God. When circumstances change and the, the comfort which this godly woman has enjoyed is threatened, she will not lose heart because her hope is in God. When she is disappointed in her husband, I said when, not if. When she is disappointed in her husband, even if it's for a good reason, she is not dashed because her hope is in God. The mark of a holy woman is that her hope is in God. And secondly, verse 6 tells us that a godly woman does what is right without fear. Without fear. And I love the way that it says it, without being frightened of any fear. She does what is right without fear. Because her hope is in God, she has no fear of anyone else. She's not driven. She's not motivated by fear of her husband. She's not motivated by fear of anything. She's not frightened by any fear. She does what is right without fear. This is courage. So a godly woman hopes in God and does what is right without fear. And those characteristics guide her as she submits to her husband. And there's the command. You wives, be submissive. There is no Greek study. There is no etymological explanation to make this text say something else. I, I know people would love to, to say, oh, well, this doesn't mean wives submit, but it does. That's what it says. It, it, and as we pointed out, it doesn't say wives submit if you have a perfect husband, because none of you do. But we need to see the context and the statements which define the scope of this submission. Wives submit. Well, verse 1 says, wives, in the same way, be submissive. In the same way. Or, or the King James says, likewise, likewise. And this in the same way, or this likewise, connects this command to the verses which come before it. Remember, these verses are in a section dealing with submission. And we've already considered in previous messages, uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, and the command there to submit to governmental authorities. We saw in chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, the command to submit in our vocational relationships. The previous verses have been about submission and these verses are about submission. And the previous verses, verses were clear that a Christian who lives in these particular situations is to submit to those authorities because they are God-given, God-ordained, God-placed authority. So we read this passage. Well, well first, let me just, I, I put together a little collage of phrases from the other texts that we've already covered. Uh, we have phrases like this, submit for the Lord's sake. 
This is the will of God. Submit in order to silence opposition. Submit with all respect. Submit to masters who are unreasonable as well as masters who are reasonable. And then we come to our text today and it says, in the same way, that's bringing forward a lot. That's bringing forward all these things. We, we carry forward the thinking that we have developed in the prior verses in the same way. Now, this is also a reminder for us. Sometimes we think about submission. Somebody mentions, you know, the Bible talks about submission. Immediately, some of us go to wives submit to your husbands. But in the same way, reminds us that submission is a command for every Christian. For every Christian, we are, we are commanded to submit in our various places, positions, and relationships. Let me just insert another thought right here. I, I, think, I think that we sometimes have a wrong thinking about the biblical teaching of submission. Some, some think that the doctrine of wives submitting to their husbands from the Bible is oppressive and degrading to women. But we need to remember the day in which this was written that even a mention of wives, a mention of a woman would be out of place in that society. Mentioning wives in this text, Peter elevates Wives, women, children, slaves would not even be considered worthy of addressing. Christianity elevates these classes of people. Christianity elevates women. And we've heard the term women's liberation. Women's liberation is not liberating. But Christianity, Christ is liberating for women, for men, for all of us. Likewise, or in the same way, you wives be submissive, the text continues, to your own husbands. And here we note that the Bible does not command all women to submit to all men. The Bible does not command all women to submit to all men. Uh, some have taught that. Some have, have put that forward. But that is a misinterpretation and a misuse of the submit texts in the scripture. Wives, submit to your own husband. Now, sometimes wives, that might you might think, well, I would rather submit to somebody else. But that's the command. Submit to your own husband. You don't have to submit to all those husbands. Just that one. That is your husband. And then the text gives us some motivations for wives who are married to unbelieving husbands. Now, now I've heard as I've come across commentaries and I've, I've come across some other theologians and pastors who have commented that this text is for wives married to unbelieving husbands. But it's not. This text is for all wives who are married to a husband. Wives submit to your own husband. But we have this motivator 
especially here for those wives married to unbelieving husbands. And we see this motivation in the words, so that, so that. Wives, submit to your own husbands so that if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Wives, married to unbelievers, you are not going to argue your husband into the kingdom. You are not going to nag your husband to faith and repentance. There's not a lot of amens to It is by your chaste and respectful behavior that your husband may be one. Now, now, wives married to unbelieving husbands, this does not mean that you can never speak to your husband about the Lord Jesus. This does not mean that you have to keep your mouth shut. If he is willing to talk about the gospel, then by all means, first be prepared to have that conversation and have the conversation. By all means, this does not mean you cannot talk to your husband about Jesus. All I'm supposed to do is be submissive and live a... No, speak if he's willing to have the conversation. But here we have a promise for you, a promise of blessing when you are submissive to him, living as to the Lord. This has application also to others. Christians living according to God's word, Christians life is attractive to others. Christians should be good citizens, as we've seen in submitting ourselves to governing authorities. Christians should be good employees, as we've seen in, in the vocational submission that we are to have. And here we see Christians should be good spouses. There's something attractive about a Christian living according to God's word. I remember speaking to a lost man many years ago, and, and he said, if Christianity is what my father-in-law has, I want no part of it. What a shameful thing to see the poor testimony of a Christian's life. Rather than being attractive in his Life in his demeanor, but rather than being attractive and his son-in-law seeing that, his life was repulsive. Christians, our lives should be a positive testimony of the grace of God. And this text makes that application directly to wives who are married to unbelieving husbands. He'll be won without a word by your chaste and respectful behavior. As we come to verse 3, we have a verse which has been used and misused by so many about raiment. An old, old word that means dress. 
clothes that you wear, and the, particularly the, the, the dress of women. Could this verse prohibit certain hairstyles? It mentions the braiding of hair. The King James says the plaiting of hair, or some people say plaiting. I think it depends on which side of the pond you're on. Could this text prohibit certain hairstyles for women? Does this text put jewelry on the no-fly list? Is, is that what we're being taught here? I, I appreciated how Tozer handled this verse. He asked, can this mean that braiding or plaiting of the hair is sinful? And he said, let's just say for a minute that it does. And, and I appreciate that. I think I saw instantly where he was going, and maybe you do too. He said, let's just say for a minute, yes, you can't braid your hair. And then we come to the next part about wearing gold jewelry. Okay, let's just say for now that this gold jewelry thing is prohibited as well. Don't braid your hair. Don't wear gold jewelry. And then what's next? Uh, putting on dresses. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, now we've got clothing. If this text instructs that women are not to fix their hair or wear jewelry, then it also instructs that they shouldn't wear clothing. And that's ridiculous. So this text is, is clearly not saying that. That is a wrong understanding of this verse. But we need to understand what the true meaning is. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't leave us to scratch our heads and figure it out. It's right there very plain for us. Verse 3. Your adornment must not be merely external. Not merely braiding the hair. Not merely wearing gold jewelry. Not merely putting on dresses. So ladies, fix your hair. Decorate with some jewelry if you like. And you've heard me say this before. Put on some makeup. A little paint never hurt an old barn. <laughs> but listen, Christian sister, when you have on your best dress, when your hair is fixed just right, when you have on that necklace and some earrings, but you have not put on a quiet and gentle spirit, you are not decent. Don't let your adornment merely be with these external things. Don't neglect don't neglect the outer stuff. But know that the main thing, the primary focus must be the inner man. The hidden person of the heart. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. So that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not merely be external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious 
in the sight of God. You want to please God? This is precious in the sight of God. And I got to tell you, it's very attractive for everyone else. Then we come to verse 5. For in this way, former, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Here we have holy women from former times, holy women of old provided as an example of submission to God by submitting to their own husbands. And let me say this, that's, that's the order. Submit to God by submitting to your husband. And the reason that's an important order is, is when those times come, which can I just tell you this? This probably will never happen in your life, but it might. So if your husband's command is something that violates the law of God, your first submission is to God. Now I said this will probably never happen because for most women that never happens, but I have seen it. I have seen it where a Christian woman was forbidden to worship at church by her husband. And sadly, I was a child growing up in a church that this, that this was the case. And sadly, that woman submitted to her husband and absenced herself from the assembly, which is not submitting to God. You'll probably never face that. But the order is important. Submit to God by submitting to your husband. And these women of old times, of former times, we have an example. Sarah is offered as a specific example of a wife who respected her husband. Now we read earlier, Pastor Brent read for us from Genesis 18, the, the very text that is referenced here. In that same text, Sarah shows respect to her husband while she doubts God's promise. She doubts God's promise and laughs and says, my Lord is old. Speaking of Abraham, her husband, she respected him and called him Lord. Now in that she is not an example of faith in God and in his promises, but she is an example of respect and submission to her husband. And, and, and by the way, we have this word, this, this hated word, Sarah obeyed in verse six. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. There's really no way to separate submission and obedience. There's no way to separate that. I, I mean, what does that look like? First of all, obedience without submission is a farce. But submission without obedience, that's a lie. Now, now we, need, we need to talk about, and we will, 
how husbands are to lead, but wives, you don't you don't have anything here. That there are no caveats. There are there are no instructions here that say, well, if he doesn't lead well, if he commands the wrong thing, if he's if he's just not thinking about things rightly, we have nothing there. We have this obedience and submission. And Sarah is an example of respect and submission to her husband. But as we think about Sarah in this example and we look at the Old Testament texts, it's very clear that Sarah was not a silent wife. Sarah was not a, a woman who had no thoughts or opinions of her own. She absolutely did. But ultimately, when the talking was done and a decision was made by her husband, even if she disagreed, she submitted. And, and that's what submission really is. And we talk about this in marital counseling as well, premarital counseling. When a husband and wife are of the same mind, of the same opinion, there is no submission. That's just agreement. So you can't say, well, I submit to my husband when we agree. No, you don't. You agree. That's not submission. The submission only comes into play when there is a difference in opinion. And wives, in those times, after you have weighed in on the subject and presented your case, then you must submit to your own husband and do so with respect and a good attitude, not with a huff. And ladies, if it turns out that he made a poor decision, the quiet and gentle spirit will not say, I told you so, next time you better listen to me. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Maybe you're wondering, how am I doing in this? Am I submissive as I should be to my husband? Here's a good, dumb, practical way to check. Sometime when you can sit down with your husband and have a serious conversation, ask him, do you see my submission? A gentle and quiet, respectful spirit. Do you see that? It, and is it such a way that you can lead our home with joy? Some, some husbands may not want to lead because there's competition. And ladies, if I can just tell you, this is the truth. If you're going to lead, your husband will probably step back and let you. And then you're both in sin. Ask your husband, okay, is my submission 
in the place that you can lead our home with joy. And, and husbands, you need to talk to your wife, maybe in that same conversation. Is my leading, are my actions, are my words, is my demeanor making it difficult for you to submit? Now, wives, that's not an excuse. It doesn't say submit if it's not difficult. But husbands, we may be, we may be uh, pig-headed. We may be jerks. We, we may be aggressive in the things that we say and the way that we say them in such a way that makes your wife's submission a labor and a chore. Husbands, I believe that if we love our wives as Christ loved the church, submission should be a pleasure for her, a joy for her. Have those conversations. How am I doing in submission? How am I doing in leadership? <laughs> for wives who are commanded in this text to submit, and for all of us, who are commanded to submit in one way or another, governmental authorities, uh, submitting in our vocational uh, activities, submitting to the authority in the church. Some of you are not aware that the Bible says obey your leaders in the church context. For all of us who are commanded to be living in this way, by obeying God's command, even when we think we are right, but we still submit, we are in those times recognizing God's sovereignty. And we are entrusting ourselves to His providence. God, I'm submitting in this area, and I don't have a lot of confidence. I think our brother just prayed about the leaders in our government. And I think your words were, I don't have a lot of confidence. There's not a lot. There doesn't seem to be wisdom. There doesn't seem to be any godliness. There doesn't seem to be the thing that we so long for. What happens when we submit in those times? Because we do have to submit. We are entrusting ourselves to the sovereignty and the providence of God. Wives, when you submit to your husband, when you have less than full confidence, you're not submitting yourself. You're not entrusting yourself to Him. You're entrusting yourself to God and to His problems. So wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be won by your chaste and respectful behavior. Don't let your dress be merely external, your hair, your jewelry, your clothing, but let the things which you are known for be the things, the, the things that stand out about you be the hidden things of the heart, the inner man with the imperishable quality of gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Following the example of holy women of old, hope in God and do what is right without fear. So much more could be said about this. But this is the command of God. And this is the true grace of God. 
stand firm in you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the confidence we can have in you and the confidence that we can have in the, your word and your faithfulness, even when it's hard to hear, even when it's difficult, even when it, when it flies in the face of everything our society, everything the world around us stands for. God, help us. We are so, we are so influenced by the world, even when we don't recognize it. Our thinking, our, our reactions are, are so are so worldly. Help us to put away worldliness and to put on righteousness. God, we need help in our homes. We need grace. We need mercy. Help us to forgive one another. God, to, to obey these commands on our own strength, to obey these things in our own power is futile. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to strengthen, to enable, to correct, to instruct, to guide us. And we pray this in the name of our precious Savior. Amen.